Our Old Testament lesson this morning uh, comes from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Uh, Isaiah 6, 1 through 13, if you have the bulletin on, um, on your computer and you do not have a Bible handy, you can still follow along. Just click on uh, the bulletin where it says Isaiah 6, it'll open a Bible for you. But if everyone will open to Isaiah 6, we will begin. Before we begin, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made, and God, we thank you for your word that you've given to us. Lord, again, we ask that you would um, open our eyes as we, as we read your word together. Lord, as we uh, hear it read and proclaimed, God, we pray that you would help us to see. Help us to see um, you who, for who you really are. And Lord, having seen, help us to respond appropriately. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Isaiah chapter 6. This is uh, kind of the, the call of Isaiah the prophet. And, um, and his call is a little unusual the way this happens. But go ahead and try to imagine the scene as it unfolds. Isaiah 6 verses 1 through 13. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. He said, Go, and tell this people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. And I said, for how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will be laid again, be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Turning then to First um, Peter, our New Testament lesson. First Peter, chapter two, verses eleven through seventeen. As Peter continues his letters to those who are scattered abroad, <laughs> God's people who aren't able to gather together, he says in Second. No, sorry, First Peter, chapter two. Yes. 
verses 11 through 17, he says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him or sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning, uh, we do have a a bit of a different uh, way of celebrating Palm Sunday. Uh, This is, I think, the first time we have had Palm Sunday since I've been here that we have not had any palm branches in the sanctuary, which is weird. (laughs) Um, But we also tend to, on Palm Sunday, actually discuss the texts dealing with Palm Sunday. And this year, we're not going to do that either. Instead, we are going to continue exactly what we have been doing in uh, following through the Gospel of John and looking at uh, at how he tells this story of Jesus, of his uh, life and his teachings and his miracles and his death and his resurrection. And so we're continuing on in that. We did talk about Palm Sunday several weeks ago. If you missed that and you were really hoping for a Palm Sunday uh, message today, you can look back in our uh, sermon archives for that. Uh, However, the reason that we did that several weeks ago and now we're carrying forward is uh, because, as I was mentioning in the children's sermon, a lot happened during that last week between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. And so what we are doing is uh, continuing to follow this journey along. And so what we're looking at today is actually much like what we uh, were talking about in the children's sermon of people on Palm Sunday uh, honoring Jesus as king, celebrating him as a king, but not understanding what kind of king he was. And we're going to look again this morning at people who are seeing, but not really seeing and uh, talk about what that looks like and um, and kind of where we go from here. All right, so this is uh, John chapter 12, verses 37 through 50. And I'm actually just going to bring this right up here so I don't have to keep walking back and forth. There we go. Uh, This is John chapter 12, verses 37 through 50. It says, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed for this reason? They could not believe because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn. And I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus's glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear. They would be put out of the synagogue. 
for they loved human praise more than the praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. In the way that John tells uh, this story, this is actually the last thing that Jesus says publicly uh, before he speaks again on trial. Uh, Right after this, we have the record of uh, the Last Supper, of the the conversations that happen in the upper room uh, when Jesus gathers with his disciples just before this Passover festival. And so this is it. This is kind of his last thing he's saying to everybody. And, uh, but before John tells us what Jesus says, that's kind of this last statement, he tells us what the situation is. And what the situation is, is that uh, said even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. They still would not believe in him. Now, If you've been following along all the way through the book of John, you have seen that John has been pointing out, this was another sign, this was another sign, this was another sign. And he actually records seven signs. We've seen six of them so far. Uh, These signs that Jesus gives um, showing who he is and how he is doing the same things that the Father does and showing his connection with the Father. And so Anybody who's seeing these things and is actually paying attention should go where that naturally leads. And this is exactly John says at the very end of his, um, his gospel. He says, Jesus performed, this is John 20, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In other words, John completely believes that if you're paying attention and you see these signs, this is where that leads. That it all leads to one logical conclusion, which is that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the son of God. And that by believing this, that you would actually have life in his name. This is why he's writing the, um, the signs down the way that he is. This is why he says Jesus is giving these signs to people at all. And yet he says right here in chapter 12, that Though people had seen all these signs, Jesus had performed many signs in their presence, they still would not believe. They would not believe. Does that have the ring of stubbornness about it to you? That they just wouldn't? They wouldn't. It's like the option is there. They totally could if they wanted to. They just don't want to. And so it's like a folding the arms across the chest. And kind of sticking the chin out and nope, not going to do it. That's the way that I read this, that they would not. And 
I don't know if you had the expression in your house, but probably so. If you're making funny faces as a kid and your mom says, you quit making that face or it'll stick like that, right? Something to that effect. I don't know if that's true, (laughs) that your face will stick like that. But I do think it's true that your attitudes will stick like that. I do think it's true that your thoughts will stick like that. And so when we talk about scripture memory and I talk about uh, you know, how to memorize and those sorts of things. One of the things I say is, you know, we remember what we review for good or for bad. That we remember what we review for good or for bad. And so if we are thinking on good things, then it will be good things that we will naturally go to in our thoughts. If we're not, we won't. And when it says that they would not believe in him, sign after sign after sign, and they are trying to find ways to explain it away or reject it because they just don't want to believe in him. And then what uh, John tells us is, for this reason, they could not believe. For this reason, they could not believe. That they had actually uh, stuck that way in their minds. They had stuck that way in Uh, the attitudes of their hearts, that they had so walked the path of hardening their heart that it had become hard. And so those who saw wouldn't believe, and now they couldn't believe. And again, this is it. We're kind of at the end of Jesus's public ministry, and that's the situation where some are. Um, And just to that end, we got kind of three spots we're uh, looking at here. This is this first section about those who saw but wouldn't believe. And I would just say to those of you who are here uh, with us today, if, if you kind of feel like you're in that camp, uh, that you're making a habit of hardening your heart towards the things of God, I would caution you that we do not know at what point the hardness kind of sets up. And so, uh, Whatever you can do (laughs) to keep your heart uh, soft towards the things of God, I would encourage you uh, before it's too late uh, to to do those things that will keep it soft towards him. But there's another group of people. And this is uh, the second second section here. This starts in verse 42. In verse 42, it says, Yet at the same time, Many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. So what is this group of people? It's those who did see it. They knew what it meant. They believed that this is what it means. They just aren't going to do anything about it. Because, as it says, they loved praise from humans more than praise from God. And let me say... During this weird time of uh, everybody having to kind of be in their own space and isolated from each other uh, physically, there have been some hidden blessings along the way. And one of them, you know, again, there's a lot of grief. And again, there's a lot of bad uh, sides of this. However, it's not all bad. And here's one of the things uh, with that. And that is... uh, so many people have been joining together in online worship services and th- those kinds of things. And I say that 
as an encouragement because it is, it could easily be the case that everybody who's gathering together on a Sunday morning are gathering together like the hypocrites Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter six of those who, you know, stand on the street corners as they are praying so that everybody gets to see them or that they're giving and blowing trumpets so that everybody sees them uh, giving or they're fasting and they're showing everybody just how uh, somber they are. And they're just figuring their faces because they want to show everyone else that they're fasting. And it's possible that people could be gathering together for worship service every Sunday morning to show others that they are gathering together for worship service. But if that's the case and we can't gather together and all you can do is anonymously watch services online, no one knows if you're doing it or not. You don't get any points from people for that at all. And yet people are watching (laughs) Uh, people are still joining. And so to that, I say it as, a, as an encouragement that we are seeing that in this time that, uh, that people really are seeking after God and wanting to honor him rather than just get praise from other people or get somehow uh, kind of points for being especially religious. And so that's been one of the hidden blessings in this time. And so if you are joining us uh, this way uh, I'm encouraged that you're, that you're here and that you're here for the right reasons. Um, but one other thing about that. I think during this time, what we've also seen is people who have um, maybe stopped going to church for one reason or another and yet have found that this is a way that they can come more anonymously where nobody has to know. And I think that that might be the same category that these folks are in that, uh, that John is talking about when it says that they believed in him, they believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they don't want to openly acknowledge their faith. And so there may be some people who like to worship Jesus anonymously, but they don't want to let anybody know they're actually a follower of Jesus because they do fear, uh, human response. And they do still, uh, run in circles where that is not going to earn him any points. <laughs> and I would say, if that is you, welcome, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> and that this is a great first step in uh, following him together with others. But it's not the end of the uh, journey. And so hopefully you would not see this as a final destination, but only a step along the way. And that as we are able to get together again, uh, wherever you live, you would find a, a group of Christians that you can get together with. And then we get to why. And this is uh, the third point in all of this. So we see that there are people who would not believe, and because they would not believe, then they could not believe. We saw there are some who uh, did believe, but they wouldn't act on it. And so then here we have Jesus who sees this whole situation as well and cries out this one last plea to everyone before he goes in uh, with the disciples. And he cries out to everyone, whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. And the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. And he goes on to explain that if you are rejecting Jesus, 
He says, what you're really doing is you're rejecting God the Father. Because God has uh, revealed himself in the person of Jesus. And so you can't reject Jesus and still have the Father. That doesn't doesn't work. That doesn't make any sense. And he's like, but I don't want you to think that that means I'm coming down hard on you, like I'm going to somehow be upset with you or judge you. He's like, no, 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 it's not like that. I came to save the world, not to judge the world. Same kind of thing he says in John 3, 16 and 17. Look that one up. And, uh, and so what he says here is that I've come that you would have life. Like this is where he ends it. Uh, for I did not come, no, for I did not speak on my own, but the father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So what I say, whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. There's still this constant connection between the Son and the Father and that what the one does, the other does. And he says the reason he's doing this, uh, he knows that this command is the one that leads to life. Now, it's ironic that he says, I know this leads to eternal life. And then where he goes next is what takes him to the cross, what takes him to death. And yet... We know that on the other side of that was eternal life, that he is raised again. And so he is right in what he says of uh, this command leading to eternal life, but it sure doesn't always look that way. And I think that explains why um, there were people who saw these signs and they didn't want to believe it because it it didn't look like this might lead to eternal life. It looks like a lot of sacrifice. It looks like a lot of pain. It looks like a lot of giving things up. And Jesus says, yes, it is a lot of sacrifice. It is a hard road, but it is, uh, but you're not going to avoid pain in any other way of life either. But if you avoid this way of life, you're going to miss out on the real life. And so he follows this uh, way all the way to the cross and then to the eternal life on the other side. I want to go back a little bit, though, to this idea of, you know, he's not going to uh, judge you for this. I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. This idea but that there is a judge. It's the words that he's spoken are going to be the judge. And there are two, two ways I want to look at that. One is... Um, it's a modern-day illustration. Another is something that Jesus actually said himself. So the modern-day illustration would be like if you are uh, sailing in a big boat and you it's dark, you can't really see out, you know which way you want to go, but then you've got the radar, and the radar is saying there are rocks ahead. And you think to yourself, well, that's not convenient because I want to go that way. <laughs> and so you decide to convince yourself that, Ah, the radar is probably faulty. I bet I can get through here anyway. Uh, I'm sure it will be fine. You can do that. And the radar is not going to be mad at you. But you're still going to crash. That the word that it was saying to you was presenting the truth of reality. And as you continue on that course, you're going to run into the reality it was talking about. And I think that's what Jesus is saying, that what he is presenting about who he is and what it means to follow him as the way of life is the reality of things. And we can choose not to follow that, but there will come a moment where um, 
or we hit the rocks. Now, looking at rocks a different direction, uh, more positively than negatively, we go to what Jesus said about this. The, on the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about two people. Uh, there's a wise man and there's a foolish man. And he says, both of them heard the words of Jesus. Both of them heard the words. The only difference is one of them put his words into practice. The other one did not. And the way that he describes what it looks like to put his words into practice or not, he said it's like, like building your life or building a house on either rock or on sand. So you build a house both ways. You know, both of them build a house. But the foundation is different. And that foundation is going to be revealed when the storms come. And the storms come to both of them. But the one who has its uh, foundation on the rock, the one who has heard Jesus' words and put them into practice, he says, the rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But the other guy, the one who had his foundation on sand, he said, the rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. That's the difference. That's what he's saying again here in John 12, that I have come to save, not to judge. I've come to save. But he can offer the gift all he wants, but it still needs to be received as a gift. Uh, over the past few weeks uh, in our church, we've had this option to... Um, to get a particular Bible app that I've emailed out to everybody. So you can listen in and totally free two-month thing. And um, I looked again recently, and basically about one in seven people has actually activated their account there and are at least have the option of listening to that. Now, do you have to do that? No. Does it really matter? No. The point is uh, that... While the gift can be offered and can be a free gift, it has to be accepted before there's any benefit. And so this is where Jesus is, um, is offering something that does matter and that is a big deal. You know, the, the app thing, it's two months, who cares? Uh, but what he's saying is this is forever. This is forever and it really matters. And this is what I'm offering to you and I'm telling you the way of reality. And so this is his final plea before he goes in with the disciples and speaks with them, and we will look at that in the weeks to come, before he goes to the cross, he says to everyone, I am telling you what God the Father has said, and I want you to know this for your own good. Whether or not you will is another matter. So, for those of us who are in that first camp of uh, in the midst of hardening our hearts, what can we do now to stay soft? Those of us who believe in Jesus but don't want to tell others that we do just yet, what does that next step look like for us? And for those who are seriously considering uh, rejecting Jesus, thinking we can figure this out some other way without dealing with, with Jesus. I would encourage you to re-examine that. To re-examine that position 
Um, when Jesus himself has said who he is, and John has said, he's given us enough, enough signs, enough teaching, enough saying of who he is, that if we're really paying attention, if we're really honest, we will see where this leads. And where it leads is to a cross, but also to eternal life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have made. And Lord, we do thank you for Jesus. Lord, we do pray especially uh, at this time. Lord, as we are entering uh, what we refer to as Holy Week, I would pray that you would direct our thoughts. Lord, help us to think about the things that are true, that are noble, and that are right, and that are pure, and that are lovely, and that are admirable. Things that are excellent and that are praiseworthy. We know there are a lot of other things that try to grab our attention. Lord, help us to encourage each other during this time. To stay, uh, to stay on this path of following you. Lord, keep us from negative um, thinking. Keep us from negative um, talking. Lord, especially as we speak about others. I pray that you would guide our thinking. Shape our hearts. Lord, to shape our words. Lord, that we would more and more reflect who you are in your character of love and mercy and grace into this world. Lord, as you are the light, that we would reflect your light. We pray this in the name of Jesus. He taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.